Hi, and welcome to the Joyful Balance Podcast. You're here with your two co-hosts. I'm Mira. I'm a neuroscientist with a specialization in nutrition for brain health. And I've also got here with me Denise, who is a cognitive behavioral hypnotherapist who takes care of all things related to sleep and habit change. We're both here to take you on a journey of your brain, your body, and your mind, and how all of these three things are interlinked. We're very much on this journey with you, understanding it for ourselves so we can help you live healthier and happy lives. And uh, without further ado, we've finally got to the second uh, episode of season three. How are you doing, Denise? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not bad. Um, Guys, if my voice sounds a bit different to normal, I have been struck down by my second bout of laryngitis for the year. Luckily, it doesn't really hurt, but I it makes me sound a bit huskier, which I'm told is semi more attractive than my normal voice. <laughs> so I am a bit husky this episode. Um, so I think, yeah, it's not been the best few weeks, um, but we are hopefully on the other side with things getting a little bit better. Uh, hmm. It's just been a bit of a same well in the last few weeks. Yeah, same. It's just been very, um, I don't know what it's been, but it's been so many things, so many changes, so many things to look after and also to yeah. look after ourselves. So mm-hmm. we didn't disappear on you on purpose. We disappeared on you because, yeah, we needed to we look after to. ourselves. Yeah, yeah, totally. And like, you know, reality is so important for our podcast and for our listeners and you know, I wasn't going to the gym as regularly. I have been sick twice. Um, it's just been super stressful. And yeah, just so much has happened. But the good news is, I think for both Denise and I, like the changes are kind of happening. The stuff that's needed to happen has happened. And we're now on a trajectory of hopefully things going up. So we've made it back to you. Yes, we are here. So, we are here. And so going along with a bit of an unstructured theme one of the things that I have become obsessed with in my spare time uh, has been obviously podcasts and podcasts that do things um, around reddit stories so reddit if you don't know I'm very new to reddit even though Mm. I've known it's existed forever it's kind of like this incredible diverse range of forums on any subject you can possibly imagine and one of the things that I think it's most well known for, I don't know if others agree, is what they call, and uh, warning for swear words that are coming up, is am I the asshole? So mm. AITA, am I the asshole? They're basically scenarios when people write in saying, was I the asshole in this situation? Mm. And there are some amazing podcasts and entertainment TikToks where people read really well-known AITA stories and then they discuss them and it led me to think, well, what's on Reddit that people want to know about nutrition and health and lifestyle change and attitudes towards health? And how can we pick some of those apart? Um, so whilst we're kind of, you know, guys, if you have anything that you want to send in to us, you're more than welcome to get in touch with us via email or on Instagram where you can find us. But instead, I did some scouring on Reddit and found some interesting slash hilarious stuff, <laughs> including our very own AITA story. Uh, which may be fun to do at the end yeah Um, yeah let's do that at the end and and I'll there's a reason I've picked it so it's it's to generalize it won't be on that certain situation but anyway Uh so one thing I wanted to start off with was there was a whole thread around nutrition myths you wished would die (laughs) Um, (laughs) I like the way it starts already (laughs) right um so and a really great one that I think is very interesting to start with is the differences between the fact that the differences between healthier versions and the normal versions of certain food can, in terms of nutritional value can sometimes be negligible. And this person said, especially with rice. Um, so obviously, well, I say obviously for people that don't know, generally brown rice is touted as healthier than um than its white counterparts when actually if you look at the nutritional values they aren't massively different that if you had a bag of rice you need to stop eating your white rice now and switch to other rices um so what i would say on this one is that yes i agree that a lot of the um the benefits can be negligible but that doesn't mean that it's not worth 
switching the grains that you have every now and again mm. and the reason is is because there are some more some slightly more nutritional benefits of having brown rice black rices and wild rices come in different colors so you'll have different polyphenols but when it comes to in terms of like the sugar content and things like that there's at, and actually how many more vitamins it contains there's not a huge difference so it's what's really interesting about this observation is that sometimes and this person has made this comment in the thread is that if you don't care for rice then switching to brown rice might be totally fine but mm. if you love rice and you come from a culture that has a very strong connection to a specific type of rice so that makes me think of things like i don't know jasmine rice in thai culture for us it's basmati rice uh, as in us as in i'm indian by background um and for other cultures it will you know maybe the italian mm. is saborio rice for risottos um so it's just it's basically you know my philosophy to this is always read the nutrition labels and we know what it is you know assess the nutritional content for yourself two i think it's always beneficial to mix up your grains anyway because there are different health benefits in different grains and that includes even in within the different classes of rice um because there will be additional benefits in other types Hmm. and number three there's absolutely nothing wrong with enjoying white rice and in fact if you um cook and cool your white rice and eat it kind of cold um just be careful around bacteria because it can grow really easily on rice and that's why they always say don't reheat it but having cooked and cooled rice actually increases the resistance starch of the rice and so it actually lowers the glycemic index of the meal and what that means is it's not going to affect your blood sugar as much and so um yeah it's and it also helps to feed your gut bacteria Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that's the kind of moral of the story really is um you know, don't feel that you have to stick to one complete dogma of a kind of not so much a fad, but a thought around nutrition. And, um, you know, don't feel that you have to completely, it's not about restriction. It's just about balance. Mm. Um, I don't know if there's anything you, you don't have to add anything specific to rice, but the reason I brought that one up was more around the fashion and the way to view healthy, like healthier versus ones that you enjoy. Um, Denise, I don't know if you wanted to add anything more to that. I think there is a, a comment to to make because a lot of people tend to associate good foods with, you know, what you've just described, like the brown version of the rice or the black rice. Mm. And the that's so good uh, foods are the white uh, rice and so on, or the white potato versus the red potato or, you know, the, there seems to be some sort of demonization of of some sorts of foods versus other foods. And I think the moral of the story, at least for me, is that as long as you're not eating, I don't know, three kilos of it every day, I'm fairly Mm -hmm. sure that in the grand scheme of things, your cup of rice, be it white or black, is not really going to create such a huge negative impact on your health and I think that's where the thread was coming from potentially because it's advertised as healthier therefore you should you know ditch the white and go to the brown well if you don't enjoy it why would you yeah absolutely and it's interesting because you know just uh, again for realism I uh, will have a lot of um, dolls at the beginning of the week and often I'll have rice and my mum I think she accidentally bought white rice instead of brown. And she was like, okay, I'll go out and get brown. And I said, no, let's just eat the white rice. There's really not that much difference. And we're not going to waste. I don't see the point in wasting it. And there's nothing wrong with having it every now and again. Like I don't have it more than once or twice a week. And I have plenty of other grains, um, you know, whole other like more whole grains in my diet anyway, that it doesn't have a huge difference. And coming really nicely onto that point, Denise, about, certain food groups being demonized is um the the other kind of one that leads on very nicely from rice is the fact that all carbs are bad oh god um and so this person said you will pry roasted sweet potatoes and fresh bread out of my dead cold hands yes it is a type of carbohydrate and fiber is important for gut health um as, and there are plenty of different types of carbohydrate that are really, really healthy for you. And that includes vegetables, whole grains, berries, seeds, fruits, all of them contain carbohydrates. The carbohydrate, a blanket statement of carbs being bad is, is factually 
and you know health yeah like health in terms of health is just totally incorrect um, couldn't agree more and can we please can we all humans on this planet stop demonizing bloody potatoes they are good they are i like you know i think and again like what we do you know what's really important in what Denise and I always talk about is that sense of balance so having you know carbohydrates is part of a healthy balanced plate so I've talked about it in many episodes but just for the sake of bringing it up here it's all about proportions so if you think about it you know when I as a nutritionist work with clients I, I always educate them to have if you imagine your plate the full circle half of it is um all your different vegetables so your leafy greens carrots um butternut squash, uh, tomatoes, cucumber, whatever, all goes in there. Plus, like, you might have some fruit, so maybe sprinkles pomegranate seeds on your salad. I have no idea. Then if you imagine the second half of your plate is then divided again in half, so you've got two quarters, and a quarter of that plate is quality protein, and then the other quarter is your carbohydrates. That includes things like potato and, like, rice. And, you know, there's there's white potatoes, there's sweet potatoes, there's purple potatoes, like take your pick. Like, uh-huh. and what again, we'd really encourage is really that sense of variety. Um, but if you think about it, vegetables are, a hell, they are carbohydrates, but they contain a, a lot of fiber, which makes them, which is why we improve the, the kind of proportion that it makes up in your flesh because it doesn't affect your blood sugars as much. And because they contain so many nutrients. So carbs are absolutely not bad. What we sometimes don't always get 100% right is the proportion. Yes. And the, just because you portion it out a little bit more conservatively does not mean that you shouldn't be having it. Um, there's definitely nutritional value to them. It's it's just about proportion. Um, so that's, yeah, really, really important one that I wanted to say that, um, mm. yeah, that people, I think, forget about. So, yeah, sorry, Denise, do you want to add anything else? No, I'm just, I was just thinking of my uh, lunch that I had yesterday. And yesterday, I think on my plate, there were uh, maybe, maybe four, maybe four baby potatoes, white potatoes that were in the oven. So maybe they were four, like little ones, right? And yeah. uh, hence baby potato. And then <laughs> some uh, uh, chicken on the grill, which was, I would say, was taking maybe more than half of the plate itself because it was a big portion of chicken maybe the proportions were wrong but then the other part of my plate was that's how it came at the restaurant it was mm. with the um, greens and um you know uh, runner beans and carrots and and stuff like that and i was just thinking now when you've just said about the potato i think those four baby little potatoes on that plate i mm. I'm fairly sure that it didn't cause anything, you know, quote unquote, wrong or bad, you know, in my diet, because they were so small compared to the everything on the plate. However, if you're going to have a huge plate only of potatoes with nothing else nutrient wise, that's a completely different story. And I think that goes back to also what we said in the previous episode with pasta and what what you were just saying about rice. I mean, everything needs to be balanced and put into perspective rather than having, you know, big portions of the one thing. Because then, yes, it wouldn't be as beneficial for you. Absolutely right. Um, And here's another one that's quite interesting. Um, And and the... uh, I've picked all of these because I think they fall into themes that really nicely fit the both of us and complement what we say and work with clients as well. Um, so I, I clearly was on a bit of a carb train because this next one was, um, so nutrition myth that this person wants to diet is that fresh fruits are equivalent to a candy bar or anything else with added sugars. I literally had a family member tell me that I'd become diabetic if I kept eating three servings of fresh fruits every day. Meanwhile, they were drinking Snapples left and right, thinking it's okay because it's a quote-unquote juice. Um, oh. Yeah. Again, I think what's really important to remember with this one is, I mean, you know, we're encouraged to have, for example, five fruits and vegetables a day that's what the nhs the national health service in the uk recommend as a nutritionist we tend to say more like seven 
and the emphasis is ideally on the vegetables. So I think we need to put this in context to what that person has overall in their diet. And just firstly to say, absolutely, having fresh whole fruits is not the same as having a candy bar. Number one, that's really, really important to remember. Fresh fruit is incredibly nutritious. It's got tons of antioxidants. It will have vitamins. It will have minerals and it will have fiber, which are all really important things that you need in your diet. Um, and if you are someone like me, for example, who has a sweeter tooth, they are a great alternative or, or, or they are a great option to satisfy that sweet craving. Um, you know, dates, for example, are quite high in iron. So if I'm really peckish after a meal, um, I will, you know, maybe have a little bit of dates, with some nut butter and sprinkling of cinnamon or whatever, just to kind of, you know, and, and it's certainly for me because they are so sweet, you know, kind of kills the craving and, and is really satisfying that's not the same as having a candy bar like it's no. really not it's not the same thing no candy bars don't offer much in the way of nutritional value they contain a lot of added sugars um and and the, the problem with juice is that they strip all of the fiber in general out of the fruit and that fiber is what helps you to actually make, uh, balance your blood sugar levels because fiber slows down the release of the sugar and that's really important for stable blood sugar levels to prevent you going rapidly up and down and then having a crash. That means that you're getting hangry and whatever, um, and also could potentially lead to problems, complications. And, and also just an important uh, re-mention about fiber as well is that it really is so important to feed the bacteria that live in our guts so that they can grow um, and really establish themselves in our gut. And that's because you need a forest of different types of bacteria because they all do slightly different jobs and they all help to keep each other in check and in balance. And um, they also help to produce the vast majority of your neurotransmitters, some of your vitamins, they help you process some of your minerals. They are essential to life. Um, and they're also essential to your mental well-being and cognitive well-being. So fiber has a huge role to play and fiber sits in the carbohydrate groups that automatically does not make carbohydrates bad. Um, but that's a really good point and it's really glad you've mentioned that. Um, so another one that I wanted to also talk about here mm -hmm. is, um, and this is probably the last one we'll do uh, on this section, is that um, this idea that having uh, only raw food is what is uh, essential to health. So you kind of see some crazy things on social media or not crazy, I yeah, so you kind of see some interesting things on social media. And one of those is this idea of um, of uh, living on a predominantly raw food diet. So uh -huh. there are some that feel that you can better retain the nutritional value of your meals or your foods if you don't cook them. So people that follow this um, dietary practice tend to stick to having quite fruit and vegetable predominant diets. Some will eat raw meats um and others will be vegan they may have one meal a day that ha contains cooked um foods and then the rest of the day uh they tend to eat uh predominantly things like smoothies maybe salads uh just a whole tropical fruits um mm -hmm. yeah so as a dietary practice you know again it's about balance um i can't advocate eating raw meat from a food like health and safety point of view unless it's sashimi grade fish or uh you know it's prepared it's prepared well and professionally and in some cases can be eaten raw like things like steak tartare but um yeah but don't, don't do it don't do it at home if you're not uh, no, you know, no 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 only if do you don't know how to with someone <laughs> yeah exactly that's what i mean yeah do do how consume those foods when you can get them in incredibly fresh and in the state that they need to be in and the grade they need to be at in order to be consumed for so that's number one food, always food safety like number one consideration but two i think it's not necessarily true that all uh foods really lose all their nutritional value when they're cooked um you know the the thing that we try to or i try to encourage my clients to not do ideally is to boil their vegetables for example unless they're going to consume the cooking liquid in some form as well, because um, things like vitamin C, for example, will leach out of um, things like broccoli if you're boiling it as opposed to steaming um, 
steaming uh, broccoli, roasting or um, sauteing, for example, stir frying, where you tend to retain that nutritional content. Also, some nutrients aren't as easily accessible unless they are cooked. So lycopene is a good example of that. Um, some some vitamins, they need an accompanying fat in order to be absorbed. So things like vitamin E, um, beta carotenes, the beneficial um, compounds in turmeric, curcumin, um, ideally need to be consumed with fat in the case of curcumin with black pepper. So the reason I'm talking about that is because, you know, necessarily eating a raw, I don't know how you would tolerate this, but a raw piece of turmeric root doesn't necessarily mean that you'll get the best nutritional benefits from it. You know, things like lycopene, which is a, an important antioxidant in tomatoes, is only really accessible when you do cook it. So it's not that having that there is certainly a sign, more scientific approach to retaining the nutritional value of foods. That doesn't mean that you don't cook it in order to achieve that effect. Again, it's about having a mix of raw and cooked um, vegetables, lightly cooking your vegetables so that you retain the nutritional value and ideally not boiling them because then some of those nutrients do leak out into the water. And if you chuck that water away, you're losing some of that nutritional value. Um, so that's just another thing that I wanted to add. Um, often these, these diets can sometimes be really imbalanced. Where I have seen on TikTok people have a breakfast of like seven bananas Oh my um, god! I can barely eat. I can barely fit one in my stomach at a time. I find bananas exceptionally filling. Um, so kudos to them, I guess, on that front. But that doesn't that doesn't uh, equate to a balanced diet that I, as a nutritionist, would promote. Um, mm. No, so yeah, that's definitely that, uh, one. I think that falls into the extreme, doesn't it? I it, mean, seven no, bananas—it's it quite a lot. Yeah, it does, and. I think it's just an important, you know, I picked it as an extreme because um, I think we're so easy with nutrition. I don't know, Denise, if you experience this in your practice, but there tends to be um, what I find, and this has been true even of myself and I've been practicing or learning about nutrition, is you start off saying, okay, I'm only going to eat cold green carbohydrates. Then you decide that you're going to go keto. And then you're like, well, where does the restriction kind of end? And I find that sometimes on a trajectory of health, people will pick up a thing and maybe that makes them feel really good. And I hope, you know, obviously getting healthy, eating healthier does, but then it can become more and more extreme to try and attain this idea. I don't know, of perfection of excluding all of the quote unquote bad things and only having the good things. And nutritional science is so complicated. It is the least black and white science I practically know. And it's probably one of the ones up there with brain health that we know the least about um and only now are really starting to catch on to how beneficial things are like probiotics symbiotics and fiber um and it does not mean that you 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 necessarily should or need to do such extreme things and that those kinds of things are actually healthy for you um so if you are looking to do anything kind of radical uh, or quite restrictive really question why speak to a professional get some support to make sure that you're doing the right thing for the right reasons um you know some who are for example children that are very unwell with epilepsy that can't be treated that's where the ketogenic diet has originated from there's a re medical reason that they have such a restricted diet that there are some you know there is some evidence out there around the benefits of ketones for brain health but it's really easy to do the keto diet wrong, I think. Yeah. And it really should only be used in, I think, certain cases. Um, and so, yeah, I would really encourage you to speak to a professional before you think about doing anything like that. Yeah. I, I echo your, your thoughts. And um, recently I was listening to, um, I wasn't listening. I was watching because as you all guys know, I don't particularly listen to podcasts. I watch them. I'm one of those weird ones and um, proud of it as well. And We're all in, <laughs> in, um, in that particular episode, they were talking about how inaccurate calorie counting can be and how oh, absolutely inaccurate, uh, you know, uh, uh, trying to get into ketosis can be for the untrained person and uh, how things, you know, are sold to us as being the next best thing. You should try this. This is going to prove to work wonders, but it doesn't 
it isn't black and white and it isn't accurate to an extent that other other sciences are at the moment in our lives. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a matter of, as I always say to my clients, is a matter of first becoming aware. I You can't really start to change things in your diet, in your life, in your mind, if you are not becoming aware first of what is happening. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is I had a, a recent conversation with somebody in regards to nutrition and becoming aware of what they eat because they were saying, oh, I, I, I feel uh, lethargic after food. And I said, well, what food? And they didn't know. And I said, which meal? What did you eat during that day that made you, you know, lethargic? And they they couldn't tell me. So I said, well, maybe the first point of call would be to become aware of what you're eating and keeping a food diary in order to understand what certain foods are triggering. So when I say food diary, it's a simplistic thing. I tend to ask my clients to do it because I'm interested in their um not so much their food, but I'm interested in their thoughts and their emotions and how they are feeling about it. And I tend to ask them, okay, put down what you've eaten and what are you feeling or thinking half an hour after you've had the food and then maybe three or four hours afterwards, because we all know that digestion doesn't happen instantaneously. So it needs, mm-hmm. it needs some time. And what, what that describes is that you realize, oh, today I've had, I don't know, let's take the example of the seven bananas for breakfast. I've had seven bananas for breakfast and I feel X, you know, after 30 minutes and then put another word into your food diary half, uh, you know, three hours later and how you're feeling. Are you lethargic? Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you bloated? Uh, Do you go to the toilet regularly? Do you not? You know, those kinds of things will help you become aware and then you will be able to start making small changes without, you know, oh, I am... I don't know, bloated, therefore my, I should ban all gluten. Well, maybe you're not gluten intolerant. Maybe you're just eating too much. Have you thought about that? Yeah. You know, those kinds of things. You can't really assess objectively unless you are aware of what you're doing. And that's that's my point here. It's just you, we, we all need to become aware of what we're eating and how is that food making us feel. Okay, so... Another So then another form that I ended up in, which I also think is quite an interesting one, and I, I think, Denise, you're going to have a lot of really helpful insights in this section, is um, what is the question that people are answering was, what's one small slash easy change that you've made that has an outsized impact on your health, nutrition, and or happiness? Um, and so these are just like some snippets of... Um, responses that I found that I thought were really interesting so this first person wrote I'm a bona fide card carrying lifelong member of the clean plate club I seem to get a subconscious satisfaction from being able to eat the quote-unquote whole thing pushing away from the table or leaving 20% of whatever on the plate just never worked for me I typically feel compelled to finish the la- the task set before me standard plates hold a lot of food And when you put single servings on them, the food just looks so pitiful, so lonely, like it's not enough. Smaller plates, along with my handy dandy kitchen scale, make those single servings look like so much more. They fill the plate and I can have the satisfaction of eating, quote unquote, the whole thing without busting my calorie budget win. Mm. Denise, I don't know if you had any opinions on that. (laughs) Many. (laughs) Yeah, I thought so. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah. Let's let I'll, I'll try to keep it very, very brief. I think, yes, small plates work wonders because you see things in proportion, right? And if you are mm-hmm. one of those people, as uh, this person mentions, that they need to finish it all, then you definitely would want to start there with a, with a smaller plate if what you're trying to manage is portion control. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I would like to point out is this, uh, quote unquote finish it all that to me sounds a little bit like all or nothing thinking and maybe some sort of avoiding avoidance uh, behavior in the sense of I need to finish it all yeah and probably I would challenge if that person was sitting in front of me I would challenge them to actually 
you know, progress to a slightly or normal sized plate and then leave on the plate what they can't finish. Because we don't want to demonize the the don't leave things on your plate. I, I want yeah, people exactly. to be able to leave things on their plate. Like if you've had enough of the pasta you've cooked, leave it on the plate, put it in a Tupperware and eat it later. You don't have yeah. to throw it out. I'm not an advocate of throwing out food, but also you shouldn't have to finish it all because of some sort of trigger. You see what I mean? Yeah, but I think that's quite an interesting question thing though, because like... I've got a couple of thoughts on this and some personal experience from my perspective. Like, I think part of where this may come from, and I obviously I can't speak for this user because I don't know, but I think part of it is, you know, as we grow up as children, sometimes it's always like I've got a four-year-old niece now and and it is a challenge getting her to eat anything. Like, Mm. you know, kids of that age are just like, they don't want to eat much. And, you know, you do have to kind of give them some encouragement. Mm-hmm. But then I think there's an element of perhaps in older generations where it was like you couldn't leave the table until your plate was finished. Yes. Um, Which may be where this person also is coming from, potentially where that thought process may be coming from, which takes, I guess, a little bit of time to unpick and, and kind of unlearn. Mm. And I kind of get, you know, for me, right, I'm a very small, like I've got a very small stomach size, so I can't eat very big meals um it's just never worked for my digestive system and so one thing I do find actually a little bit anxiety inducing which I'm really trying to unlearn is when you go to a nice restaurant and mm-hmm. if you can't finish the meal the, the waiter will always ask oh did you not enjoy it and it's like oh. no no no. it's not that I don't enjoy it I'm just full <laughs> like yeah because there's always that kind of I don't know there's always that kind of thing around like showing that you enjoyed the meal especially like not that I go I go to many like really high class restaurants but when I do I definitely feel that pressure mm. um, and then get a bit anxious about it because I worry that they're going to be offended um I've tried mm. to like worry about that less because I, I suppose and I don't mean this in an arrogant way if I'm paying for that experience it's up to me what I take from it right I don't owe anybody anything in that I guess mm-hmm. in that and, and I should be allowed and and it's funny, someone else had pointed out to me during a dinner where I had gone, was like, actually, as a waiter, they're just checking whether you, you there was a problem. Like, they're not worried that you haven't finished a meal and that they're really offended. They're just making sure it was okay and nothing was wrong. And sometimes it is, yeah, it is a matter of, I think, challenging the assumptions and the perspectives that you have, which is basically what you're talking about, Denise. Mm, mm. Um, That's what I was so, saying. Yeah, of- I, I totally get you. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. That's why I was saying avoidance behavior because we we tend to do things to avoid something else. So, for example, in in what you are describing, you if you could, you would eat the whole thing just so that you can avoid the questioning, right? Yeah, absolutely. So potentially, I'm just you know, this is a hypothesis. This person it's found a way to do small plate in order to avoid feeling guilty that they left food on the plate. Yeah. So that can be a learned behavior that can come from, as you say, many areas of life. It can also come from upbringing and so on. But I think with everything that we have been taught, we just need to remind ourselves, no matter what age we are, is what we've learned, we can also unlearn. Our brain Mm -hmm. is not stuck in some sort of weird pattern that we can't get out of. It's not not. necessarily easy. It's not like you flip a switch, but you can definitely learn to deal with the situation in a different way. And you can, you know, make experiments to see what works for you. And kudos to this person. They found out that small plates do wonders for them and makes them happy. So yeah, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Um, and again, I think it just comes back to like portion sizes and portion control, um, you know, for for making, you know, I think I totally get why this is a win. And, uh, you know, for this person and if it works, then that's great. And it's helped them keep within their their health goals. And that's fantastic. But I, I totally appreciate your point, Denise, about it. It's a bit of a sticking plus of what could be a, a bit of a, mm. of another issue that they could address that meant that they wouldn't have to use that size of plate. 
in order yeah. to feel the satisfaction I think is the point that you're making um, yeah yeah I do yeah, and I hear you we both know we on this call and uh, sorry not on the call but be both on the on the podcast we know and I'm sure that a lot of our listeners know food is intrinsically linked to our emotions our mood and our you know overall existence so sometimes we use food in controlling ways sometimes we use it for you know emotional soothing ways we we just need to remember that it is an all or nothing and that you know learning a little bit more about ourselves might make things easier that's all yeah okay that was super useful so next one which again i know is a subject that's very close to your heart mm. is sleep this ah. person said that one small easy change i made an outsized impact on their health nutrition and or happiness was sleep Yay. it's the foundation for everything in your mental and physical health aiming for eight hours a night no electronic devices allowed no screens a paper book no caffeine during the day dimming the lights two hours before sleeping having a room that's no more than 20 degrees celsius breathing exercises if you're finding it hard to fall asleep try herbal teas or sleepy music um total relaxation um and try and even you know when you skip a full night's sleep it really feels like everything else falls apart so denise i'm going to leave this one to you oh i want to hug this person well done <laughs> you whoever you are if you are listening by chance oh well done you you you, you must be so proud it's um sleep is everywhere <laughs> in the sense that you cannot can you cannot function without sleep as we all know you will die without sleep exactly you will actually die yeah yeah, yeah. so it, we, we do need sleep and i'm very happy that this person found the right way to to get those hours in what i want to say is there is no golden rule if you function mm-hmm. um and you feel energetic and you feel good and you don't wake up moody on five hours of sleep, on six hours of sleep, on nine hours of sleep, then that is you and well done you. It doesn't have to be on, you know, eight hours on the dot or nothing at all. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I want to remind everybody. If whatever time you spend sleeping at night is restful for you and it brings you energy in the morning and it is, uh, you know, feeling refreshed you wake up refreshed then that is the amount of hours you need to sleep don't try to necessarily go for more or less hours because you've heard somebody smart saying it on tv whatever works for you is the most important measure here and the other thing with sleep that uh, a lot of my my um my clients have seen um water intake i have a lot of um, people Mm. currently that i'm seeing and they struggle with water intake. And there was some sort of a idea for, for them that if they drink water, then they will wake up at night and pee. And I was thinking about it and we discussed it, of course, and so on. And then I started, you know, encouraging them mm. slowly, slowly to increase the water intake and alongside um, their food in the sense of nutritional food right in trying to ditch the sugar before bed and replace it with some nuts for example and they did that did wonders on their sleep so sleep affects many areas of our lives but at the same time something as simple as drinking more water during the day can improve your sleep and is improving your sleep so yeah is I could talk for hours for, to sleep. So I, I I could get you all to sleep. I'm trying. Oh, I know. I know. I'm trying to think what is the most important I, message here. Yeah, it's a good question. I think for me, um, as someone who, uh, what's the word, can sometimes let the sleep hygiene thing go, for me, the most important message from that is solid sleep hygiene. Mm. Um, and root, I, I'm someone who, lives and dies by routine I I routine I find extremely anchoring um as boring as that possibly makes me but like this person what I try to do is come nine o'clock my bed my bedside light goes on and it's mostly I purposely picked quite a yellow light mm-hmm. and it's also dimmable um so the main light goes off in my room the bedside lamp comes on 
I will let myself have screen time until 10 p.m. But then that's the absolute cutoff. I have a wireless charger. My phone has to sit on the charger in order to charge. So it forces me to put it down and then I read. And that's a double whammy of getting through the insane amount of books I have that I haven't read because I just haven't had the time. Um, and uh, it also stops me from looking at my phone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I within half an hour of picking up the book, I am generally asleep. Yeah. Um, so for me, what this person exemplifies um, is the fact that uh, you, yeah, sleep sleep hygiene really is a must. Yes. Um, and it is so essential for a solid night's sleep. And this person has done all of the things and you might not necessarily need to do all of the things you may, f- and I wouldn't say do all of the things in one go, you know, take the time to get used to trying to reduce your screen time before bed mm. or um, even, even if you can't, fathom changing your routine making sure the temperature is right mm-hmm. or that the lights are, are dimmed um or you, you do enjoy a cup of herbal tea or absolutely having some nuts that will just keep your blood sugar levels nice and stable overnight mm-hmm. have all the, the beneficial minerals and vitamins that help you make melatonin which is sleep hormone will keep you like your mm-hmm. stomach relatively full so you're not waking up from hunger um all of those things are really important. So just mm-hmm. pick pick one that you 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 know is the biggest influencer in you not sleeping at a time. That means that you can get the the rest that you need and start from there and, mm. and make it as easy on yourself as possible. Um, so that because then you are just increasing your chance for success and change. So that that's yeah. kind of the the message I think I think to take from that. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I want to add uh, mm-hmm. onto this, because obviously we, we, we see sleep connected to uh, nutrition a lot, and obviously they are super interlinked. Uh, besides, the, besides the water that I, that I mentioned being very important as well, what I found for myself and for others that I you know, speak to and uh, help treat on a regular basis is waking up in the morning and even if you don't step outside 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 spend time by a window because mm-hmm. that helps uh, you know anchor your circadian rhythm because yep. as you know as humans we were trained to wake up with the sun and go to bed with the sun so we don't do that anymore now because of our you know lifestyle and the way we are we are functioning but if you if you can the moment you step out of your bed go and spend some time by the window or outside have your cup of tea in the garden summer is you know hopefully around the corner do those Mm. things so that you can see sunlight and that also helps a lot yeah absolutely with with many other things but for the sleep thing it just says okay i'm awake now therefore let's stop producing melatonin and we can, you know, release some other um, uh, things in our in our body, such as cortisol. And then in the evening, the same thing as Mira was just saying, you know, you're getting ready for bed and you're dimming everything and you're preparing yourself for bed. So that melatonin will increase its production in your system and then you're getting easier to bed. It's it's super important that that you you do this. And if there is only one thing that you can do and only one thing, just pick one of the many we've mentioned and do that one thing first yeah. and yeah. see how that makes you feel. Absolutely, 100%. Um, and that goes very nicely actually onto the next one I have, um, uh, which is this person said in terms of what uh, small, easy change you made that had an outsized impact on your health, nutrition and or happiness was trading quote unquote perfect for better, good enough, done and my best flexibility Mm. is an amazing skill each of us can develop that lets us move forward without needless and useless self-imposed shame yes well done. i freaking loved this when i read it yeah well done person well done well done yeah i i think before I, i let denise take the reins it's um this one's really essential i think it's so easy to get carried away in health dogma of there being a right and wrong way to do things and there are healthy, we, we could all make healthy and healthy uh, choices at times. Sometimes that's just not feasible. Um, maybe you've had a really rough time of it. I know I have. Uh, and so have I been as of my nutrition and my exercise? Absolutely not. But in terms of can I make better choices? 
absolutely or ones that are good enough or that I've tried and I've done them what I can that day absolutely like you may not want to do a whole like three hours in the gym but but turning up and doing 30 minutes is definitely good enough mm. and um and there's no shame in that it's actually understanding where you're at where your boundaries need to be for your health and happiness is really 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 important mm. Mm. absolutely what I would like to to say in this particular instance with perfectionism, mm -hmm. because, you know, we, we all strive for some sort of quote unquote perfection, but in our diet or in our sleep routine or in life overall. And then when we fall off the wagon, it's a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of anger, you know, we are impatient and disappointed and so on. Well, nothing is perfect, nothing will ever be perfect. And striving for perfection, unfortunately, opens a big, big door towards disappointment. Mm -hmm. As soon as we understand that, the sooner we get this message, the sooner we get it, the better it's going to be for us. Because there was a quote about uh, a practice makes perfect or something like that. And I don't know where it came from, but it creeped into all of our heads, definitely into millennials' heads because that's what we heard all the time in school and everywhere. And I just spin that from my point of view into practice makes progress. So even if you have a bad week mm. or even if you have a bad month, in the grand scheme of things, in the big, big scheme of your life, that is just a blip. So get over the blip. Yeah. The quicker you can get over the blip and start making steps in the right direction, the quicker you're going to get to wherever you're headed. So yeah. That is one thing. And the other one that I wanted to, to say about uh, the, these feelings of, uh, of shame and anger and per perfection-seeking uh, behavior is that it is extremely elusive. It's like you're, mm -hmm. you're, it's like you're trying to chase a cloud in the sky that you will never get to. So rather than doing that is take each moment and each day as it comes and realize that if you take one step every day for 365 days at the end of the 365 days i.e one year you're gonna be 365 steps further mm. so putting things into perspective is 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 one of the key elements that I use at the beginning of uh, my therapeutic working with the with clients is that putting putting this you know whatever they are trying to go for whatever their goal is putting it into the perspective of their own life or of the coming year or the coming month or because it needs to be objective and sometimes we yeah. we don't put things into perspective and that's where we get lost in the details. And then we get lost into the, oh, I ate a bad meal today. The whole day is ruined. I should definitely, you know, quote unquote, pig out. <laughs> no, no. It's unfortunate that it that just happens. Helps me. Yeah. And it just makes you feel so much worse. And I'm saying that just from my own experience, like recently. Um, yeah, it. it I know that feeling of like, well, if this meal's gone belly up, then I may as well not bother with the rest of the day Aww. and just enjoy it as a kind of quote unquote cheat day, um, which is a concept that neither uh, uh, Denise or I prescribed, you know, subscribe to. Um, but, but yeah, I agree with Denise. It's about putting it in context and understanding that we will have moments when, when we falter and, that's normal that's being human that's part of the experience of life but the important thing is actually you make conscious choices about where you can push yourself to do a little bit more but also know that beating yourself up when you haven't been able to quite hit your goals it won't help you it only makes you feel worse and it actually hinders you from reaching where it is that you want to go so it's just about having that acceptance of things may have not gone the way that you had hoped or planned and that's not ideal but it's okay and that you will slowly get back on that horse. Um, but it just takes some conscious awareness um, in order to do that, I think. 
but but absolutely please do trade in perfect for better for good enough for done and for my best it's such a great attitude to have it is it is please practice um, it like anything else it doesn't happen overnight it's a practice so stick with it through yeah. the yeah through the thick and thin and this leads me very nicely onto the AITA, so Am I the Arsehole? So this is a bit of a longer read, so I do apologise. It's going to take me a minute to get through. Um, but it's and it's a, it's a really odd one, actually, to bring up for our podcast, but there is, I think you'll understand, I think Denise will get the, the meaning, and, and hopefully you will too, based on what we've literally just been talking about. So this person wrote in the subject line is, am I the arsehole for trying to get my 91-year-old grandmother to get some more variety and nutrition in her diet and it's my week to take care of her so this person used an anonymous account which they call a throwaway so using a throwaway i have been away from my midwestern suburbs they're based in america uh, for a number of years i'm a professional sabbatical this year and have rented out a house at home my grandmother is 91 and absolutely insists on living alone so several relatives have a schedule of three or four days where they make sure she is clean fed and has the heat that she needs, etc. I was happy to volunteer, um, but I was horrified when I learned that all she eats is frozen, frozen fish sticks, Reese's cups, which are like peanut butter cups, if you don't know, um, and Sprite. That's it. Three meals a day. That's all she eats. I'm not a doctor or a nutritionist, but my job requires me to be physically active. And I know that a human can't live on processed fish and candy. I told her that we had to do something about this. She told me to let her live her life and if she passes from food, she's okay with it. I made her a really nutritious meal and insisted and insisted of being appreciative. And oh, sorry, that my, my bad. Let me just read that line again. I made her a really nutritious meal. And instead of being appreciative, she refused to eat it. In fact, she didn't eat for the entire three days I was watching her. It was like dealing with a petulant kid. I dug in my heels and so did she. My mom was taking over this morning and text the group that we used to exchange notes and schedules and exploded. And everyone thinks I'm the asshole because I didn't feed her. I tried to explain that. No, she made a choice not to eat. The basic point was that she's 91 and she can eat what she wants. And they have no idea how hard they work to find the food that she would eat at all. I said what I thought and looked like a cascading wall of text from my six relatives calling me essentially an asshole. I guess I might be fired. Am I the asshole here? Denise, thoughts? Mm. You don't have to call this person an asshole, by the way. But, uh... <laughs> no, I, I don't want to. I'm torn about this one. So part of me, maybe like m many people listening to this, part of me thinks, well, she's 91. She knows what she wants. She is still around. So maybe she found a magical way of sustaining her life on candy and and uh what's the other thing fish sticks fish okay. sticks and sprite yeah so maybe she she found a magical way of doing that and it works for her so on one hand i'm like okay let her be who she wants to be she's 91 however the other part of me is thinking that the approach might have been pushy for mm. lack of a better word because if you're coming into somebody's life with boots on, you're saying, you're doing this wrong. Let me tell you how to do it and do it like this. There is a huge element of reluctance and they will, like this person said, dig in their heels and they wouldn't want to yeah. budge, right? And if it's somebody of elderly, maybe they are more stubborn than others. I don't know. I'm just making assumptions here. So maybe the approach was not the best. I wouldn't call them an asshole in either situation, to be honest with you. I would just mm -hmm. think that maybe the 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 way they've approached the person and the situation could have been, you know, a little bit more refined and, you know, putting it forward like, oh my God, grandma, let me tell you, I've went to... I don't know, you can make up a story. I went up to Mira's house and she cooked me the most amazing risotto. Oh, let me make it for you. You'll be surprised. Yeah. It's amazing. And then put it in front of her. And if she takes a spoon and then she says, oh God, I hate it. I don't like it. I don't want to ever see it again. You know, you take it on the chin and you move on. 
but I think it's just the, the approach of, let me tell you how to, I will cook for you because whatever you're doing is wrong. Uh, that feels forced. Yeah, I think. But I'm torn. I'm torn, as I said. I'm torn between the two. I don't know which one is okay. Right one. Okay, for me, I think I would call this person... They're an arsehole, I suppose, in a sense that they dug in their heels and they let their grandmother starve for three days, which I don't think was necessarily... Yeah. The, it really wasn't the best approach. No. I think it's very hard. I live with my parents who are not yet 91, so I do understand the frustration of watching those that you love maybe not eating as well as they possibly could and my parents have gotten better because I educate them as much as possible and I generally cook the lunches here and because they're too busy they'll they'll eat what I put in front of them but people will make different like health and lifestyle choices especially those who are very who are older and set in their ways and at 91 when you are starting to think that um you know you hope that they will live even longer but but you understand that they are approaching a stage of life where things are drawing to a close I'm not saying that's true for this grandmother and it's pretty amazing that she's doesn't seem to have too many health complications despite her diet um but I think there's an element of whilst this person had absolutely the best intentions I do, I do think that it's the approach mm. that was terribly misguided yes. and you yeah. can't let someone starve for three days because no. they're not doing what you tell them to do. Yeah, um, I completely that's... agree. I completely, that's why I was saying I'm, I'm torn because on the one hand- No, I totally get it, yeah. Let them do, because they are 91, they know what they want in their life. But on the other hand is the whole approach of presenting new food or introducing new food and starving somebody, yeah. I mean, probably starving is, a, is an extreme. Maybe the person, the, the grandma just refused any food and that other person didn't make them the fish fingers. That The fish sticks, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. I think, um, and I think, you know, when you are looking at, and it's one, this is one of those classic things where it's like, okay, well, uh, if this was my grandmother, for example, my, my elderly parent or whatever, mm. Rather than saying, hey, you cannot have the thing that you that is a part of your routine that you know and love, I'm going to completely upend that after 91 years of life and you're going to have to do what I tell you to do. No one on God's mm. green earth is going to react very well to that. No, no. Exactly. Like no one. No. And so if this, so, so it becomes this, this whole thing is also around this having this all or nothing approach to just mm. scrapping throwing current practices out of the window and forcing either yourself or someone else to take on this entirely new way of living that is quote unquote right. And I think the point here is that actually there is a totally different, more gentle approach that could be taken. So yeah. rather than having the Sprite, could this grandmother get a soda stream or a similar device and make fresh um, sparkling water that has slices of lemon in it, for example, um, or could they have some like uh froze um some like a vegetable based tomatoey sauce to go with their processed fish sticks like can you um as well as having the Reese's peanut butter cups which is what this person had can you make homemade versions that have mm. less sugar can you use natural sweeteners like dates and make a paste or at least there's some more vitamins and minerals in there or can you um, encourage this person to have a little bit of fruit alongside these things or, or you know, perhaps some more peanut butter on the side to just up, up, the, up the protein content so that it's not affecting their blood sugar so much? Like there are smaller swaps that you can make that fall into that whole thing of, um, you know, healthier, better, good enough, done your best. Um, mm -hmm. that won't cause this 91 year old grandmother to then rebel and be and who is someone who's just had a routine that has worked or is one that she's comfortable with or happy with especially when she's you know approach thinking more about what the end of life looks like even if that is still some way off um it's about doing much smaller much less intimidating changes that still 
don't completely discombobulate you from your natural routine and don't and which then make it impossible to keep up because when this person goes and someone else in the family takes over who doesn't have as much free time they're not going to have the the same amount of time to prepare these fresh and healthy meals so what are those just small little add-ons that you can add that just improve the quality of life for this person i think is more what would have potentially have been a helpful approach rather than this all guns blazing all or nothing kind of approach and then be like well if you don't eat this you're not eating anything um because because as someone who spends a lot of time with parents um who are obviously much older than me it's a real challenge and they are very stubborn and they do not like change um but can you do smaller things that feel less intimidating absolutely Mm. um it's kind of my thoughts on that subject yeah yeah i i completely value your points i'm i'm thinking that if I was potentially in their shoes, I would, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't try to change their diet moving forward. I would just make sure that whenever I'm on the roaster, you know, I would introduce new things. That is just my my view. That's why I was giving that example of, oh, let me tell you, Grandma, what I've heard about something else food wise. Because sometimes, as you say, having many people look after the same person, not everybody has the same level of i don't know nutritious uh information or skills or cooking so that's that was where i was maybe coming from more but totally totally value your points i think it's healthy was swaps or add-ons are always always beneficial yeah and and not letting someone stop oh god i don't want to do what what it is that you want to do no that's horrible i know i know that was sad um so yeah, I thought this was quite an interesting way to run the podcast to have some hot takes and opinions and see what else is going on in the world um, and just give you a flavor for what other people are thinking about so that you know that, you know, listeners out there, you're not alone in a lot of these thoughts. Like there are other people out there on the internet who are doing very similar things or fighting very similar battles. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Denise, I don't know how you found it. Yeah, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I think uh, we should do we should do another one, but uh, we we yeah we yeah should. I think we should too. We do, yeah we definitely should, and I'll keep this up. And guys, if you have any comments at all, if you've got any questions, if you want us to have a hot take on something, there are so many more nutrition trends, psychological wellness things all out there that we could sit and talk about. Uh, literally until the cows come home so please do shoot us a message you can reach us uh, via email which we'll provide a link for um, in our podcast show notes and uh, you can always reach out to us on instagram either on our page or to us directly me or denise Um, we will happily take your questions and anything that you have but in the meantime if you could give us a lovely five-star rating leave us a nice review let anyone know um, in your friends, in your friends of friends, in your family circles, or even strangers on the streets. Uh, let them know about our little podcast to keep us going. Um, and we really look forward to being back, hopefully, a lot sooner than we were between episode one and two. But we'll get back to a reg- regular schedule soon enough. Yes. And on that note, we wanted to remind you about our slight uh, schedule change. So this podcast used to be a weekly extravaganza. And Mira and I talked about moving this to a fortnight. So, right? We still think that's a good idea? Yeah, I think so. Um, So we'll be with you every fortnight. It just gives us more time to plan, um, mine the our channels and uh what's out there to make sure we're bringing you factually correct up-to-date content um so this gives you even more time to think of any questions you have to give our our podcast a follow and a like um and just let everyone know that we exist we'd be supremely and profoundly grateful for it and with that we'll we'll see you in a couple of weeks yes take care everyone guys take care Bye. bye